This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. And after the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt have I called my son. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. And then Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. And when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take that as my text this morning from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 13 and 15 and 19 through 23. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 960. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, and beginning at verse 13. This morning I want to talk about Jesus, a joy to some and a threat to others. <laughs> Jesus, a joy to some and a threat to others. And uh, as I suspect it may also be uh, true for some of you, I understand this disparity firsthand. Indeed, while uh, now Jesus is my Lord and the supreme joy of my life, I don't know if anything even comes close to comparing with him, it hasn't always been that way. Indeed, whenever I became uh, old enough to understand what it really means to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ with all of its sacrifices and commitments, I without question considered Jesus a major threat. Indeed, at that time in my life, I considered Jesus a threat to my freedom, a threat to what I imagined as my personal autonomy, a threat to me living my life the way I chose to live it. And while I had no particular de desire to you know, actively oppose Jesus or oppose his church or oppose those who follow Jesus, I certainly wanted nothing to do with Jesus. I considered Jesus a threat. And so that's often how it is. For some, Jesus is a joy. And for others, Jesus is a threat, which it seems our text bears out. Now, to really understand our text as it begins for us in verse 13... Uh, we have to kind of uh, back up a bit 
uh, and, and see our text in its broader context. Indeed, notice what Matthew writes. And beginning at chapter 2 and verse 1, notice. He writes, and now after Jesus was born, so Jesus was born, after that in Bethlehem in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Herod the Great as he's known in history, behold, wise men, magi, at, the, at that day, in fact, I think Peterson in the message calls them scholars. That's what they would have been. They were looking at the stars and, and figuring things out. They came from the east to Jerusalem, and they asked this specific question. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now keep in mind that that title, King of the Jews, was a title that was given by the Romans to King Herod. And he had had it for years, decades. Now these Magi show up from the east, maybe Parthia, Mesopotamia, we're not exactly sure. They show up in Jerusalem and they ask, where is he who's born King of the Jews? Oh, we have one of those already. <laughs> he says, where, where, where is he who's born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And notice verse 3. <laughs> and when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. I bet he was. And when he was troubled, everybody was troubled. And so the king was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, that would be members of the Sanhedrin, or what we would call the Jewish Senate that was based in Jerusalem. He called them all together, and he inquired of them where the Christ, the Messiah, was to be born. And they told Herod, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it's written in the prophet, and then they quote what we know as Micah, the fifth chapter in verse 2. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, and then Herod summoned the wise men, the Magi, secretly. Come on in here, I'd like to ask you some questions. To ascertain from them what time the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go search diligently for the child and when you found him, bring me word so that I too can come and worship him. Verse 9, and after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star, whatever it was, we don't know exactly what it was. There's different theories on this and different studies have been done as to just what the night sky looked like at this particular time in human history. Some think of it that at this time, uh, the, the, working the timing, that actually there was a planetary conjunction uh, that appeared once and then appeared again, <laughs> as it seems to be here. But after listening, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose in the east went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They're not threatened. They're rejoicing. And going into the house, notice, they go into the house. Uh, they don't go into the stable. That, was, that happened long ago. 
But now they're in the house in Bethlehem, and they saw the child and Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, of gold and this precious, expensive, aromatic resin that was used in various different ways in the ancient world. In fact, we use frankincense in some, some of our churches. And that's, what we've, that's what you're smelling when you go into a church where they use incense, frankincense. But then verse 12, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi departed to their own country another way, by another route. And then we come to our text in verse 13. Now when they had departed, that is after the Magi had gone, and seemingly Jesus and Mary and Joseph are, are themselves in the house where they're living, and in fact they've, they're asleep, they've, they've gone to bed. Matthew says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And the angel said, Rise and take the child and his mother. It's just interesting, all throughout when they're mentioned, it's in this, this reverse order. Traditionally, it would always, you would always listen, it would say, The father and the mother and the children. We do that now when we write Christmas cards, right? Right? We do anyway. I don't know about you guys, right? And said, uh, Happy Christmas, Scott, Linda, and Victoria. Well, this is all reversed. It's Victoria, Linda, and Scott. And all throughout, four times in which it's used. Rise and take the child and his mother, because the child is the key personality. Rise and take the child and his mother and flee, escape to Egypt and remain there until I tell you where Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Indeed, Herod considers him a threat, a threat to his rule, his reign, his power, his way of life. Verse 14, and Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night. It's very interesting. Here he's, he receives this in a dream. The angel says, wake up! <laughs> And take the child. He does it that night. How long does it take to you to, to respond to the word of God? Well, I remember to see. Uh, I remember when I was a teenager. Man, God speaks and Joseph takes action. That night, he responds to what he's told. Verse 14, and Joseph rose. He, he got up. He got up and he got all of them up. He got Mary up. He got Joseph up and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there as instructed until the death of Herod. And then Matthew says, quoting Hosea 11 and verse 1, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, in this case the prophet Hosea, out of Egypt have I called my son. And we don't know exactly where Jesus and Mary and Joseph went in Egypt. But we do know that at the time there was a significant Jewish population in Egypt. The philosopher and historian Philo suggests a million Jews living in Egypt at around about this time. And so it's very likely that Jesus and Mary and Joseph joined uh, the Jews there 
That would be a place where they would be welcome, a place where they could eat kosher, a place where they could worship. And seemingly, as they awaited the, 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 the death of Herod, they, they stayed there for a while, perhaps a couple of years. And then uh, Matthew says in verse 19, but when, when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph again. <laughs> in Egypt this time, and saying, Rise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And so Joseph rose and took the child and his mother and went back to the land of Israel. Verse 22, But when Joseph heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father, in fact, Herod the Great's kingdom was broken up into four parts and given to his sons. Archelaus was perhaps the most infamous and vicious of all of his sons. And so when Joseph heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah in the place of his father, we're told Joseph was afraid to go there. That is back to Bethlehem where they had been living. In fact, where they had been living seemingly for some time after Jesus was born there. They did have, that was their family town. Perhaps they lived there as long as two years. Perhaps by this time, Jesus, or before they're going to Egypt, Jesus is perhaps about two years old and not an infant anymore, but a toddler. In fact, if you notice chapter 2 and verse 16, there's a, in, a hint about that. Notice that, chapter 2 and verse 16. And then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was furious. And he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old and younger, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. When did you see that star? And how long has it taken for you to get here? And him running the numbers, he thought he was looking for some toddler two years old are younger. And so when the Magi came, that's what they found. It was no longer a baby lying in a manger, but it was a toddler in the house where they were living in Bethlehem. And by the time they left Egypt, because they're in Egypt waiting for, for the Herod the Great to die, which would have taken a few years if we're fig figuring correctly. And so when they leave Egypt, how old is Jesus? Four, five, six years old? But back to verse 22, when Joseph heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father uh, Herod, Joseph was afraid to go there and being in, warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and he lived in a city called Nazareth so that what had been spoken by the prophets, not a prophet, but prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene, which is a not-so-subtle way of saying that as the prophets had said centuries earlier, that Jesus would often be during his earthly pilgrimage, a man despised. Indeed, Nazareth was a town despised, and those who came from Nazareth were customarily held in contempt. And did you remember the story of Philip? Philip had become a disciple of Jesus, and so he went. He was so excited. He went to go 
find his friend Nathaniel in, in John chapter 1 and beginning at verse 45. We re read his testimony. It says that he, that he went to Nathaniel and he said, Nathaniel, we have found him who Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He's the Messiah. And what does Nathaniel say? Wow! He doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Philip, have you lost your mind? And you remember what Philip said. He said, come and see. <laughs> and Nathaniel changed his mind. <laughs> but that's what it meant to be a Nazarene. That side of the tracks, that part of the country, that part of the Galilee. Even people who lived in the Galilee looked down their noses <laughs> at people from Nazareth. And so we read, for instance, in the prophet Isaiah, verse, chapter 53 and verse 3, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And so Jesus is different things to different people. To some he's Savior and Lord, and so they serve him gratefully and with joy. To others, Jesus is a threat to one degree or another, a threat to their power, a threat to their freedom, in some cases an object of scorn, a man despised and rejected. To still others, Jesus is an object of benign indifference, in which case, whether we be churchgoers or not, J Jesus simply doesn't really matter much. It doesn't matter much, not a much as, uh, enough to affect our lives, no matter what we may say with our lips and our true feelings about him are reflected in the way that we live. The question this morning, I suppose, the question that you might be asked someday is who is Jesus to you? Really? <laughs> Let us pray. We can't help, but Lord, but think Jesus had his baptism and coming out of the water and the heavens open, and you speak. The, the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove, and you say, this is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. Are we well pleased? Are on the Mount of Transfiguration, and again, the cloud overshadows Peter, James, and John as they're there with Jesus and Moses and Elijah and the cloud, the Shekinah, your Shekinah glory engulfs them and a voice coming from the glory, from the cloud, the smoke. And your voice says, almost says out of nowhere, this is my beloved son. Listen to what he says. We know how you feel about him. We know how the Magi felt about him. How do we feel about this one who is he with whom we all have to do? 
Help us to respond in the way that's right and good as creatures to the Creator, as those who are in need of redemption to the Redeemer, to the one in whom we live and move and have our being and without whom none of us would even exist. Help us to do that, Jesus. Help us to do that, Father. Help us to do that, Holy Spirit. We pray. Amen.